So turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings, and while you're turning there, I want to share something with you from one of my favorite theologians, Charles Schultz, creator of the Peanuts comic strip. Yes, he's one of my favorite theologians. Let me show you why here. Here's the comic. Linus and Lucy are looking out the window. It's pouring down rain. The dialogue is as follows. Lucy is looking very concerned, and she says, Boy, look at it rain. What if it floods the whole world? Linus says, It will never do that. In the ninth chapter of Genesis, God promised Noah that would never happen again. And the sign of the promise is the rainbow. Lucy now smiling, says, you've taken a great load off my mind. Linus replies, sound theology has a way of doing that. We're going to get a good dose of sound theology today from just four verses in a very short amount of time. Theology can do that, you know. Theology doesn't necessarily need 45 minutes in a sermon. It can take a great load off your mind with one sentence like, The sign of the promise is the rainbow. Today we're going to see that the sign of baptism can take a great load off your mind. So today's sermon is going to be much shorter than usual because we've got about 10 or 11 baptisms to do today. And, yeah, you can clap for that. And we probably all have Loads of stress, worry, anxiety, doubt, guilt, shame that we need to take off of our minds. And what happens in the waters of baptism will do just that. It can take a load off of your mind. Here's our big idea today, and it comes from something the reformer Martin Luther said. When you wash your face, remember your baptism. Now, it's debated whether Martin Luther actually said this or not, but who knows. But, you know, it's still good advice, isn't it? When you wash your face, remember your baptism. When Martin Luther had doubts, which he had often, he went back to his baptism for assurance. He reminded himself, I've been baptized into Christ. So when Luther says, remember your baptisms, he's saying, when you doubt that God loves you, and your sin and guilt is overwhelming, remember your baptism because your baptism is an outer sign that your faith has united you with Jesus. He's saying every time you wash your face or wash your hands or take a shower, remember your baptism. Remember that you have put on Christ. Remember that you are clothed with Christ. Remember that you have been united with Christ. So why do we need to remember our baptism? Because we do doubt, don't we? Because we do get paralyzed by shame. Because guilt does eat away at us. Because we do sometimes feel condemned because of our sin, don't we? Because sometimes we do think, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. So God gave us baptism to remind us what Jesus did for us, to remind us that we are in union with him, to give us assurance. And you can be reassured of God's love every time you wash your face. God makes it really easy for us to believe his promises, doesn't he? 
Okay, 2 Kings chapter 2, here's the context. Earlier in the chapter, the prophet Elijah was taken up to heaven. Elisha has now succeeded him. Elisha then goes to the city of Jericho where we pick up the story. And we'll soon discover that there's something in the water at Jericho. 2 Kings 2, verse 19, hear the word of the Lord. Now the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the land is unfruitful. Elisha said, Bring me a new bowl and put some salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then Elisha went to the spring of water and threw salt in it and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been healed to this day according to the word that Elisha spoke. What an appropriate passage to look at as we celebrate baptisms today. Except that the water in Jericho is bad. There's something in the water that's causing crops to die. Something in the water that's even causing women and cattle to have miscarriages. So this was like Dasani water. Do you know Dasani water? This is like death Sani water. Are you aware of the hatred that Dasani water gets? I read some funny things this week about Dasani water. Someone said, Dasani water tastes like what I imagined waterbed water would taste like. Someone else said, I will dehydrate before I drink Dasani. Lastly, someone said, accidentally drinking pool water is better than drinking Dasani, to be honest. And then finally, this cartoon. There's a man in the desert crying out, water, water. Then he discovers Dasani, water. (laughs) If you happen to have a bottle of Dasani water with you today, there's grace. (laughs) But not enough grace to fix the flavor of Dasani. Maybe you're oblivious to this. But it's true. Okay, back to Second King. We don't drink Dasani in our house. If it shows up, it's like, what are we going to do? We can water the plants, I guess. All right, back to 2 Kings. The water supply is deadly. And even though, as the welcome wagon says in verse 19, even though the city is pleasant, they tell Elisha, the the Hebrew word for pleasant uh, means they have a Chick-fil-A. And even though they have a Chick-fil-A, the situation is bad in Jericho because their source of water is bad which means that the sweet tea at Chick-fil-A is bad too. And so Elisha asks for a bowl to be filled with salt. He throws it into the local water supply and he says, Thus says Yahweh, I have healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. And then just like that, a salt shaker is a means of God's grace. The salt was a sign pointing to God's grace. As Ralph Davis says, hence, in this episode, the use of visible sign and spoken word shows that God's word through God's prophet brings God's grace to God's people. And so what in the world are we going to do with this weird passage? I love passages like this. You give me a passage like this, and that's just like throwing me a slow, soft pitch. I'm... I live for passages like this. What are we going to do with this weird passage? How do you apply this to your life? How does a story about a newly christened prophet using a salt shaker 
help a church? How does it relate to baptisms? Well, we must realize that the salt wasn't what provided the healing. The salt was the tangible, outward, visible thing. The salt was a sign. The word of the Lord was what really healed the waters. As verse 22 says, it was God's word that brought God's grace to his people. But how was this grace? Well, in order to answer that, you have to know your Old Testament. Rewind back to Joshua 6, where after the Lord fought the battle at Jericho, it was the Lord, by the way, contrary to the song, Joshua pronounced a curse on the city of Jericho. In Joshua 6, Joshua laid an oath on them at that time, saying, Curse before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation, and at the cost of his youngest son shall he set up its gates. Then fast forward to 1 Kings 16. We read about a man named Hiel who did rebuild Jericho at the cost of his own two sons, as God had said. 1 Kings 16.34. In his days, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation at the cost of Abiram, his firstborn, and set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segeb, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. So Jericho, the city of Jericho, was under a curse when Elisha's Chinese salt shaker suddenly showed up. Say that ten times real fast. Jericho was still under a curse, but Elisha's Chinese salt shaker shows up and suddenly changes that. And the curse was removed by God's grace through his word. The salt was just a sign pointing to God's grace and his kindness. You could say this was like an Old Testament salt shaker sacrament. What is a sacrament? John Calvin said a sacrament is an outward symbol by which the Lord seals in our consciences the promise of his good will toward us to sustain the weakness of our faith. The sacraments or the ordinances, if you will, of baptism and Lord's Supper, those are the only two ordinances that the Lord has given us. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are God's authorized illustrations to prop up our weak faith, to strengthen us. Why? Because we do doubt because we do listen to the voices of shame and guilt and condemnation because we are aware that we are sinners. We are aware that we sin every day. God gives us these authorized illustrations to prop up our weak faith because our faith is often weak, isn't it? Listen, we always need an outside, objective voice, something outside of us, not something subjective within. We need something outside of us that we can look to in order to be reassured. Because if you look inward, we're only going to be full of pride and think, I'm a, oh, I'm a really good Christian, or we'll be full of despair. We need something outside of us to look to to be reassured. And so God gives us baptism and the Lord's Supper Not to make God's promises more sure, but to make us more sure of God's promises. Let me say that again. God gives us baptism. He gives us the Lord's Supper. Not to make his promises more sure, but to make us 
more sure of his promises. He gives us signs that we can look to in order to have our weak, fickle faith strengthened. How kind of God. When's the last time you thought, how kind of you, Jesus, to give us the Lord's Supper? How kind of you to give us baptism? He gave us baptism so that we could remember that we are united to his son, Jesus Christ. And it's an outer sign, a picture of our new status as adopted sons and daughters. Baptism is an outer sign that points to Jesus. And that's the point. The point of baptism is not us. The point of baptism is not our commitment to God. You've heard me say it many times before. Our commitment to God actually stinks, doesn't it? If baptism were about our commitment to God, then what happens after baptism? Well, if you're a little boy, you might get in your car and hit your little sister on the way home. You were just baptized and you're already hitting your sister? Or we get baptized and then we get in a fight with our spouse after we get baptized on the way home. We don't make it very far from the baptismal waters before we blow it. We sin all the time after our baptism. So baptism is about God's commitment to us, about how God is faithful to his covenant promises. It's an outer sign that is for our benefit, that seals God's promises to our consciences, giving us greater assurance when we do blow it, giving us hope when our commitment stinks, hope God keeps covenant when we don't. And so really, baptism is just a way of rehearsing the gospel, isn't it? Baptism, of course, does not save any more than Elisha's salt could save. The waters of baptism don't save. It's the word of God. It's the gospel that saves sinners when sinners turn to Christ and Christ alone. Baptism is just an outward sign of how our faith has united us to Jesus. Baptism is a sign of our new status as adopted sons and daughters. Baptism is an outer sign pointing us to Jesus. It's a sign that we have put on Christ, as Paul says in Romans 13. Baptism reminds us that our lives are hidden in Christ, that we are saved safe and settled, that we have been given the most enriching, unbreakable relationship with Jesus imaginable, that we are forgiven, righteous, and beloved. Baptism reminds us that we have been adopted by God and we have a heavenly father. Therefore, our days, hairs, and pains are numbered because we belong to Jesus now. Baptism is a reminder that we belong to him. It's a reminder that nothing can separate us from God's love or snatch us out of his hand. So baptism is just a picture of the gospel, that we are buried with Christ and have been raised with him to walk in newness of life. So God's grace came to Jericho that day through God's word, through Elisha's salt shaker, if you will, And God's grace has come to Grace Baptist Church of Santa Maria. The baptisms that are about to take place are evidence of God's grace. Evidence that God loves and saves 
sinners. There's about to be something in the baptismal waters, and that something is this, sinners saved by grace. God's adopted children. That's who enters the waters today. God's adopted children saved by grace and not by works. So remember what Martin Luther said, when you wash your face, remember your baptism. And when you see people, see people getting baptized today and any time after today, Christian, remember your baptism. Remember that you belong to Jesus too. It's going to be a reminder right there. Your identity, Christian, rests in God's relentless tenderness for you in Christ. That's baptism. A sign that your identity rests not in how good you are, not in how bad you are, but in God's relentless tenderness for you in Christ. Remember that today as your brothers and sisters in Christ are baptized. Let's pray. Father, thank you for saving sinners. Lord, I know I am one. It is only by your grace. It's only because of your tenderness and your kindness that you open my eyes to see the beauty of Jesus. And I'm grateful today, Lord, because I don't deserve it. Thank you for saving sinners. Thank you for loving us, Father, and sending Jesus to live and die in our place so that we could know you, so that we could enjoy you. So may you get great glory today as we all remember our own baptism and celebrate the baptisms here today. May you be honored and glorified. In your name we pray. Amen.